Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Welcome, friends, to this broadcast. We're going to spend the next few weeks thinking about the relationship of the believer to the world in which they live and particularly to the state. And we're going to do that this first time in light of the scripture's teaching in Genesis chapter 1, where we read in verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. When I attended Redeemer University, during one of my political science classes, the professor posed this question. Was there need for government before the fall into sin? The instinctive response was that there was no need for government before the fall. After all, the role of government is passing laws to protect their citizens, to prevent crime, and to punish offenders. Before the fall into sin, there wouldn't be any need for these things. Sin is what makes us greedy, producing such profound income disparity in our country and in our world. Sin is what makes us cruel, producing crime and racism and abuse. Sin is what motivates one nation to war against another. Without sin, surely our world would be an idyllic place a place of harmony and peace. What need would we then have of government in a world without sin? Interestingly, today we're hearing voices which argue that the existence of government is actually the cause of these ills in our world. They might not use the word sin. They might use the word crime or addiction or oppression. But the substance is the same. These are not new arguments, having been recycled throughout history, but they are making a reappearance in our day, and at least in part, because the frustration people have with the inequality that so many experience. We hear this thinking in the arguments to legalize recreational drug use. There are some who argue that the laws against drug use contribute to the suffering of addicts. Where recreational drugs are legalized and the stigma is removed, people will be more likely to get the help they need to overcome their addictions and the predatory practices of drug pushers will be eliminated. Or more recently, the calls to defund the police are expressions of this same principle. Solving problems with police officers, we're told, is the problem. Social workers are the solution. There are more examples I can offer, but it's enough to illustrate that there are many people today who argue the problem's not found in us, but in the systems that oppress us. And when we consider these things, these two views of government, there is a connection between them. What these two views of government have in common is that no government is the ideal, like it was in Paradise Lost, or like it will be when the workers unite and usher in a new paradise. 
But is that what the Bible teaches? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. When God made man in his own image and gave them dominion over all things. That word dominion should alert us that the place of government must not be inherently bad. The Hebrew used in Genesis 1 verse 28 for rule has the idea of governing. Thus, we can legitimately say that when God gave to his creatures the mandate to govern the world, it was only a matter of time before a formalized government would be established. There may not have been all the layers of bureaucracy, all the pomp and circumstance, the leader voted on by the people or the monarch ruling from his palace. But this command of God to rule over his good creation, to organize it, protect it, and prosper it, is where the existence of governments begin, and rather understandably so. Even had we not fallen into sin, eventually, decisions would have had to be made about where to build houses, who should be in charge of road construction, and what is an appropriate level of taxation. Organizing God's good creation takes careful thought and wise counsel. Eventually, that work would require more than just individual choices— It would require societal ones, and that's where a government would serve God and his people. Now, maybe you think this is just a flight of fancy or an exercise in futility. After all, we don't live in paradise anymore. We live in a world that is broken, that is full of grief and sorrow, greed and selfishness. We don't just need governments to pass laws to protect us. We need police and prisons. There is injustice and inequality in this world. So talking about what might have been isn't really helpful. Except that it is. This brief review of God's good plan for his creation reminds us of at least a couple of things. First, it reminds us that in God's good creation there is a place for government. A God-given role that advances his plan and purpose for his world. We shouldn't look at government in a skewed or jaundiced way, assuming that it is a necessary evil. Instead, we should see it as a good instrument of God to advance his plan and purpose on this earth. As Paul rightly teaches us in Romans 13 verse 1, There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. When we think of our governments... We need to think in these terms, not first of all in terms of which party is in power or how many votes they may have received in the most recent election. We shouldn't even think about whether or not we agree or we voted for these ones. We should think first of all of how they serve God's plan and purpose for this world. In this fallen world, our governments will fail us. That doesn't mean we would be better off without a government. The misuse of something doesn't invalidate that thing. Instead, it demands that we use it properly and in its intended way. And thanks be to the Lord, he has a good intent for government, one that organizes and blesses his creation. That's lesson number one. And we need to learn that lesson because of the second lesson this review teaches us. We don't live in paradise anymore. But the groaning of this burdened world isn't because there are governments. It's because we are sinners. 
Yes, governments can make bad laws and can be racist and oppressive and unjust. The history of the world is filled with examples of this, and our own day testifies to it. But the cause of this abuse is not in the government itself, in the organization of authority and the advancement of a society. No, the cause of this abuse is in the sinfulness that lives in our hearts. Now, despite the ever-increasing desire of our rulers to impose morality upon us, it is not within the mandate of any government to change the hearts of men. As valuable and as important as governments are, the ultimate solution to the problems of life is not found in their plans for income risk redistribution or in some new policy that will free us from injustice. The solution to our heart problems is Jesus Christ. But, even so, the government has a role to play in God's plan for his world, even if it's not the ultimate solution to life's ills. And that means that as believers we are called to respect, submit to, and be involved in the work of governing our communities and countries as a service to our God, who has structured his world according to his wise plan. The purpose of government is to fulfill the plan of God, and we can thank the Lord that he is sovereign over these things even in a world of injustice and of abuse. And we should not despair, but we should see ourselves as becoming involved, becoming instruments in the Lord's hands, to serve our communities, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and to represent the kingship of Christ in all areas of life, yes, even in the area of government. So we begin our study of our relationship between the Christian and the governing authorities over us by acknowledging that government is good, instituted by God at the very beginning, that it is not ultimate, that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, but that we are to be involved in serving and in advancing the plan of God by submitting to and by participating in the work of government. Thank you for your time, friends, and may your day be blessed.